Hello. Hey, John. How are you? Hi, Dan Benjamin. What's going on? Oh, let's see. I'm just reading about this uh, formerly uh, diesel rabbit that's now had a, a, an engine swap, and it's uh, it's got a it's got a gas motor in it now, and it's going to be pretty zippy. Just reading about that on the internet. Oh, this is something that you might you might pick this up. No, no, no. no. I have been uh, forbidden by everyone <laughs> in my family from buying any new motor vehicles. But you know, it doesn't. You know, it's like uh, it's like what married guys say about porn. It doesn't hurt to look. That's true. Doesn't hurt to look. You're just you're just looking. So when instead of looking at porn, I look at uh, late seventies Volkswagen rabbits. Right. Well, that, that is a kind new of motors. It's a kind of porn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just as uh, it's just as hard to explain when people catch you. Yeah. Like what are you doing? Oh, uh, nothing, nothing. Just looking at this nineteen seventy seven rabbit. We well, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to be too, I don't want to be too, uh, I don't know, like, like repetitious for people who listen to both this program and and the other program that you do. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. we haven't talked in a while about the RV. I don't want to make a big thing about it, but can you give me an update of what's going on with it? Where, where is it? And the RV is back here in town. It still has quite a bit of sorting to do, Oh, but you know, that's the thing that, um, that's the thing that car people, they use that term, sorting. Sorting. Cars got some sorting. What does that mean? Well, it means everything's there. It's all, you know, it's all running and cooking along. <laughs> it's got all the parts it needs. Uh-huh. Then you just have to kind of sort it. You just have to get it, you know, you can, you can tune a thing endlessly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But there's a, but there's a break point where it's not running well. And then once you get it so that it's running well, I mean, you could tune it forever to get it running just like perfectly. Within mm-hmm. a, you know, I don't want that. I just want it to be kind of bulletproof and run well, but it's not quite there. And part of that is that I don't have the, I don't have the ingrained mechanical knowledge to really tune a thing. And the people that do are both expensive and also disinterested in my stupid RV. Oh, so, so like the, the privilege of working upon the RV isn't enough to entice someone to do it for free. Well, it's not even a question of free. I want to, uh, I want to pay a person. I just want them to, I want to pay them to do it actually, instead of pay them as I have been doing. Uh, to get the vehicle back running worse than it was before. So I need someone who does have either an emotional investment right. in helping me get my interesting RV on the road or at the minimum, an emotional investment investment in their own work and sending a thing right. out the door, having charged $400 for the work that they put into it and have that work actually produce results. Right. And that's not always the case. You know, you get there are a lot of mechanics in the world. And a lot of them are just, you know, they're solving the problem that's right in front of them. And then they want the thing. They either want the thing out the door or they want you to pay them to spend a thousand hours mm. diagnosing every problem. And it's like, well, you know, I mean, I swear to you, I've taken cars to mechanics where they're like, okay, there's, there it is. 
it's all fixed. You know, here's the bill, 700 bucks. And you get in the car, put it in gear, go three feet. And you know that it is, you know that it is wrong. And you, you know, you go, you, I mean, I put it in park without even having left the parking spot Mm -hmm. and walked back in and said, are you serious? And it's just like, they fixed it and rolled it out into the parking lot and didn't take it for a test drive. Didn't like do any kind of making sure that the work they did was either successful or that it was that it actually solved the problem that the car was brought in to fix you know what i mean like you bring a car in you're like this car is doing something and they're like oh well it must be the u joints must be the bushings and then they go and they throw 1200 bucks at that and then it's like well it turns out it wasn't the bushings because it did the exact same thing (laughs) that it did when i brought it in but it's not like they're going to take those not gonna, they're, like they're going to take that work away so right. you're on the hook for that $1,200 and then they're going to try and fix what it was and I don't know what to do about that you know mechanics are like doctors they they put a stethoscope on your chest and they're like I think you've got pleurisy <laughs> but you know they're just they're just <laughs> shooting at it you just kind of want to how old were you when, when you realized not about the mechanic thing but about the doctor thing that that that's how that's how that business was run. Well, my mom tells a famous story about a doctor at group health, which is a co-op here where I was born. And the doctor came in and I, I've, I've thought about this story a thousand times. She said, the doctor put the stethoscope on the right side of my chest, mm-hmm. listened for a while <laughs> and then said, his heart's on the wrong side. Looking at that story, I mean, when I was six years old and I heard that story, I was like, about, you know, she's telling a story about that happened when I was two. Uh-huh. When I was six years old, I was like, apparently doctors don't know anything. Right. You could go in and a doctor wouldn't even know what side your heart was supposed to be on. But then as I got older, I was like, that, uh, you know, when I was 10, I was like, that seems like it should be malpractice. Right. And then at a certain point, I was like, was that doctor joking? It seems like a doctor joke. That seems like a dad joke that mom missed. But my mom gets dad jokes. Right. Your, his heart's on the wrong side. But she said he seemed legitimately concerned. It's like, was he just the slyest, funniest doctor ever? Uh-huh. Or was he? I mean, I don't, I don't see any other explanation for that, that a doctor would like briefly forget what side the heart was on yeah no i mean that Uh, just seemed it seems weird to me yeah but it got the thing is i heard that story when i was young enough that it it made an an, you know made an impression on me that like and i was getting a lot of information uh, from a lot of other directions that adults were not trustworthy and when you figure out that even if even if it's false, if you figure out that doctors aren't trustworthy when you're a young person, right. then all bets are off. You yeah. know, you're supposed to be able to trust your doctor. Um, so uh, and then mechanics, that was a later addition. And you, oh God, you want to have faith in mechanics, right? You want to yeah. take your car in there and have one of those experiences like you see on TV where you take your old junker in there and 15 minutes later, there's a montage of them putting a new motor in it and painting it. And then at the end of the, at the end of the half an hour, you've got a basically a totally great brand new car. 
And when in fact you take your car into the mechanic and it's just like, well, I mean, if you have an old car, right? Well, we changed all the plugs and wires and hoses and belts. That didn't do anything, <laughs> but it's a, uh, it's $900. Yeah. Want us to keep looking at it? Like, so mad. So anyway, all by way of saying there's some, there's still some sorting to do, but I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning fast mm-hmm. about some of the sorting, you know, the, the guys in the GMCRV community call it the, uh, the owner pride work. You, you take a thing in and you're like, ah, I kind of need this fixed. And they're like, well, that's more owner pride work, son. Meaning you, you need to do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning like if you have that done by a shop, you're going to get, you're going to get underwater fast on this thing. And also you're going to miss out on the great opportunity to have some owner pride. Mm-hmm in the form of doing that yourself. So they, they just shoo you right out. Say owner pride. See, I remember in high school when I wanted to, like I thought working on cars was pretty cool. And I wanted to work on cars that I intentionally bought a car that required work and would continue to require work. Not because it was cheap, but because like I wanted to, I wanted to like work on it. Like that was a cool thing and I knew that I was sort of building a knowledge for myself that I thought would come in handy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but in high school like you've got time for that and I mean I knew guys that in were in the auto shop you know they were in auto shop before school during auto shop class and then after school for many hours working on their own cars working on their friends cars and then at some point I don't remember when it was it was probably in my early 20s when that stuff just didn't seem to be fun, it didn't seem to be as fun anymore. I just wanted, like, I might want the cool muscle car or whatever it was, but I didn't want to put the time in to keep it going. Yeah. I think that's why, I think that's why muscle cars, why so often the coolest cars you see are being driven by 65 year old guys <laughs> or 70 year old Yeah. Because either they've got the money to just buy one that's been totally fixed up right. or, they're retired and they're guys like you or, or, you know, or even more like wrench Turner, their whole career was spent in engineering or, or, uh, some kind of mechanical work and, and they get done with their career and they're like, what do I want to do? I just kind of want to be in the garage, like building an engine. Right. And so they have the time to fix up these cars. It's so, it's so crazy to me. You're driving along and here comes a GTO and you're like, wow, there's going to be some cool guy with a mullet and a mustache. And, uh, and he's probably on his way to like get some cocaine and then pick up three girls and yeah. And then the car blows by you and some, you know, it's some guy with a pocket protector in the front of his, in his short sleeve button down shirt, 75 years old. And you're just like, Oh, what a letdown. Yeah. But that's, you know, we got, we got to see all those, got to see those cool times back in the old days i don't you know i if that you know i used to want to stop time in order to stop you know i would be able to stop time but i would still be you would active. be able to move through time yeah yeah i'd be active through 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 a a, a stop time universe mm-hmm. but as i get older i kind of just sort of want to stop time in certain spheres 
like I would like to have stopped time in the automobile evolution. Okay. You know, the autom- the timeline of automobile development would have liked to have stopped it somewhere. And then we could be living certain aspects of it, like the technology of the safety technology and the, you know, the braking and, but like the styling right. department, I would have stopped that oh, a long yeah. time ago. Oh yeah. Stop certain. The you know, cars, the cars that are out now, the new cars over overall are pretty, pretty ugly. And I'm not, you know, like. I feel like I went through phases where there was a phase where I was really into cars and I thought that they were cool and worthy of time. And I, I, I never like looked at, I mean, I knew kids that would read, you know, car and driver and other things like that and just really get into it and watch shows about cars. And then you have like the people who today are like, we're into top gear and things like that. And I feel like my phase for being interested in cars and the way that they worked kind of came and went and was done by the time I was about 21 years old. And I know lots of people who are still really, really into just like actively. Like, I think you probably would fit into that category. You just, you actively love things about vehicles, maybe not fixing them, but like you, you get into cars. Oh, I like fixing them. I, I, I this, I wish that I knew some of your friends, like none of my friends give any care about cars. Yeah. And the implication is that caring about cars is is something dumb or yeah. immature. And I have to say that as I get older, like I don't spend nearly as much time thinking about guitars as I used to do. Oh, yeah. Boy, I spend a lot of time thinking about guitars. I don't think about guitars anymore, but I still think about cars. I'm still a, I'm even, you know, more of a sex fiend than I was uh, when I was 16. (laughs) Wait a minute. That's not true. Not sex fiend. That's that sex maniac. Let's call it what it is. It's not a, it's not a fiend. I'm not a fiend. It's a mania. It's more of a mania. Yeah. Like to fiend is that's, has a negative connotation, but mania, it's just for, it's another aspect of my life that has a little bit of, a little bit of mania. (laughs) Sure. But so those things, so I walk around sometimes feeling a little bit out of step with my middle-aged contemporaries right? who are busy, slowly dying and gradually like sort of just melting, I guess. <laughs> They're melting <laughs> as though their lounge chair has caught on fire, right? They, uh-huh. they, they fell asleep smoking a cigarette. The cigarette went down into the foam. It smoldered for a while. Then it caught the lounge chair on fire. My middle-aged contemporaries are too asleep or too dead inside to get up out of the chair. And so they just gradually, the fat in their bodies just t- catches on fire. <laughs> and then when the fire department comes later on, it's a, another unexplained case of spontaneous combustion. <laughs> yes. But for me, I, I, I am embarrassed that I drive down the street and I look at car. I look covetously at cars. And I think about cars. What a waste of time. What a dumb, what a dumb thing. I should be, uh, I should be writing uh, poems. I should be writing epic poems. I should be writing Gilgamesh. Mm -hmm. And instead I'm like, Oh, 66 GTO, blah, 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 blah. blah. And I don't, I don't know what it's no, it's not any good for me. And it puts me in a league where all of my peers are these 70 year old guys that used to work at Boeing. Uh (laughs) I don't like stand around talking to those guys. Right. No. I want to stand around talking to, you know, like cool people. Yeah. But like, how come rock and roll people aren't into hot rod cars? It just seems crazy to me, but none of them are. They all drive Priuses. 
Every single rock person I know drives a freaking Prius. Really? Yeah. I don't know any Prius drivers personally. You're kidding me. No. Well, I mean, I live in I live in the center of the country. I they're here. They're all over the place. They're you know making me miss the light every time. But I don't know. I don't know any human beings personally who own one. It's a freaking Prius rodeo out here. I mean, it's Prius, 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 up and down. All these, you know, and they're all, uh, all the rock stars are just slightly smug about their Prius. Even still, I mean, you know, Prius smugness feels very 2007 to me, but they still all have a little bit of it. Everybody looks, you know, they wrinkle their nose up like a little, like a, like a rabbit sniffing a carrot. Uh When I show up in my 79 GMC, everybody's like, "Mm." When I was running for city council, one of my, one of the other city council candidates who was an incumbent and who still is on the city council, uh, what, you know, kind of walked me to my car one time after a debate, he was telling me all the reasons that he thought that, uh, I was going to be a very difficult candidate and a difficult person to work with if I were on the city council. Yeah. I was like, uh, 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 and we got out to my truck and he was like, oh, I should have known. I should have known you'd be driving a cool truck. I was like, well, what can you do? And then he walked walked over and got into a Prius. I swear to you, I'm not kidding. A (laughs) Prius. It's like, it's like driving. It's like going to a party at one of my friend's house. It's like a, it's like a Toyota Prius a-thon. It's like the spring Prius a-thon. And I, I just feel like putting slightly bigger tires on my truck and just driving all up and down their cars. Not because I don't like a Prius. I think they're marvelous. And when I get into a taxi, that's a Prius. I'm always astonished by how much leg room. There right. Is. You get a lot of room in there, but, but these are rock people. They should still be doing dangerous things. And, uh, and that's just not, it's not the rock. They're not, they're not true to it in the same way that you are. I think, well, the thing is I'm talking about indie rock and indie rock was never dangerous at all. <laughs> There wasn't, the, the, you know, like the transgression, the, the worst, most dangerous thing they could do is briefly for a second show any emotion or uh, or say what they were actually thinking. Right. For like th- 30 seconds before they were like, oh, but anyway, I was just kidding. No, 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 no. Never mind. Never mind. 30 seconds. Maybe you would hear what they actually thought about something. And that was like, wow, that's the that's their Iggy Pop moment. Oh, right. Telling you what, you know, what toppings they actually want on their pizza or where, you know, <laughs> what movie they really want to go see. But, you know, I can't write any of that down. I can't, I can't write the big, the book about the, about the big indie rock years. One, A, because nobody cares. Nobody wants to read about it. And two, B, all those people are still alive. I can't write this oh, book. Yeah, I, get I would get, I would get so many angry emails and they are. they're all 10 years younger than me. So it's not like, that's not like they're going to die first. They're all vegans and they're 10 years younger than me. So so what's going to happen? I'm going to get to be 80 years old and like, I got to write that story. (laughs) And they're like, they're 70 years old and they're still like, uh, out doing ring toss or whatever. They're, 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 they're at their little indie rock old folks home playing, playing cornhole. Right. And, uh, they're young and vibrant and vegans and, and, uh, you know, and I'm just like, I'm living in my car. Right. Nobody. I, so I'm never going to get to write the story because I couldn't even do it anonymously because everybody would instantly know who I was talking about. 
Except, I mean, when I say everybody would instantly know, I mean the the forty people that this book would matter to, the yeah. forty people that would buy it, would be like, I know who he's talking about. <laughs> well, you would all. I could see you sort of handing it out to them also. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. <laughs> Write it, self-publish it, yeah. and ha- hand it out. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you guys, look what I did. I wrote our story uh-huh. uh, uh, in a way that re- that really kind of features me. Uh, I'm kind of the star of this story, but you're all in it. <laughs> and it's a pretty, it's a pretty cold-eyed, uh, cold-eyed description of how you guys are. I mean, have you ever have you ever thought about that? Like, do you still think that there's a shot? You get a shot at having a movie made about you. Well, no, no, because um, so I think you you still have your best work ahead of you. Well, that and also there's no narrative through line. There's no redemption in my life, right? I mean, no, the, I never fell and then rose like a phoenix. Well, but not it, too late. Not too late. That's true. That's true. I hope not to fall again. I would like to continue rising like a phoenix. You know, uh, uh, <laughs> there, there's there have been there have been several <laughs> several interested parties over the years who have for whatever reason, like found me charming enough that they were like, I want to write your story or I want to, you know, uh, like it kind of had this notion that you're having, but the problem is when you dig into it, there's no story there. I'm just a normal, Mm. uh, I'm just a normal with it that, that talks about himself a lot. And so it seems like there's a story. No, No, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I think about this a lot and I feel like, there, well, I mean, it's very clear that there are not a lot of people like you out there. But I, I very often find myself thinking like, John wouldn't do that. Hmm. Like he wouldn't do that. Are he, you talking, he, talking about play cornhole? Because you're right. No, no, I'm just whatever it is. Like, like, I don't know. I maybe I hold you into a uh, high of a regard or something. But I feel like there's a, there's a lot of stuff that I feel like I'm doing in my life that I just get fed up with. I'm like, John would have a different feeling on this. Like last night I was thinking about how I feel like you live in, in a, a world that's kind of like a magical reality. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it, but may be true. like uh, that movie, like water for chocolate, how like people get angry and like the house burns down just from their anger or, what, or passion or whatever it was that, that happened. I mean, it was a long time since I saw that movie, but I feel like that, like if I, if, if you were, you might meet someone like what happened to your house? Well, it burnt down. Why? I just was so in love with this uh, woman that I met. Our passion ignited the house and it burnt it down. And you'd be like, wow. yeah, that, that, that kind of thing can happen. Like in your reality, I feel like that kind of thing can happen. Like that's a, as much of an explanation as you would need. Like that's what happened. I think, and I'm hope I'm not spoiling the movie, but that's what happened in the movie. But well, like I could see something like that happening in your life. Where there's really no explanation, but you're all right with that not being an explanation, or that you have a belief that you can call to your passport and the thing comes back. Like stuff like that doesn't seem to happen for me. Well, but maybe it's because I don't believe. Am I? I feel like I'm doing it wrong. I really I, feel I, like I'm doing it wrong. I always wanted to have uh, the the power of a fire starter, mm-hmm. right? I believed that. I believed certainly that I should have that. Uh huh. Um, and I do conduct myself as if that's, 
latent it's, power you have. Well, yeah, that's right. As, as though I just haven't worked out exactly the right. You know, I'm like one of those young wizards that goes hocus pocus abracadabra, and you kind of get a little and then then nothing. Uh huh. You're like, damn it. Uh, you know, I just don't have the. I'm like the pandas in Kung Fu Panda Three, who have forgotten how to use their chi. Oh, I haven't seen that one yet. And they're all up in the panda town, and it's like, uh, you know, well, I don't want to. Spoiler alert! Yeah, no, that's all right. Spoil it for anybody, but you know, so I'm 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 always trying to cast these little spells, and I just kind of get a little bit of you know the radio kind of goes in and out a little bit, and the lights flicker, but nothing. I never actually burn a house down with my love, which is which is what I've been trying to do for, <laughs> right. for three decades. So, but I think I think what what you need to what you need for a film is that something. Well, let's just call it what it is. Dramatic happens. Like I remember when I was in college, somebody was reading that some Jim Morrison book, dumb Jim Morrison book, and they said, you know. Jim Morrison's early life uh, really is similar to you. You are like on the cusp of your Jim Morrison. And I was both flattered and appalled because Jim Morrison was gross. But also if I were on the cusp of a Jim Morrison-ness, what this person was suggesting to me was that I was going to suddenly transformed from being a kind of fat, awkward <laughs> kid that nobody liked <laughs> to be like a snake God, right? the lizard King, the lizard King, because, uh, because, you know, just prior to that, Jim Morrison was this little chubby, nobody. Uh-huh. And then he just was like, poof. Yeah. And I remember looking at those pictures at the time when this, when this roommate of mine actually was saying, you know, like you're going to be, you're the lizard King. Yeah, I just, man. I, I never saw it before until now. Uh-huh. And I, and I realized there's one thing that's going to keep me from being the lizard King. And that is that goddamn hair. Like Jim Morrison may have been a little chub, but he had the, he had the King hair. Yes. Of all time. Yeah. And I looked at that picture and I knew about myself that I did not and never would have King hair like that. My hair was always going to be, you know, it's it's uh it's thick on my head, but the hairs themselves are very thin. It's fine hair that has grown very thickly. So it's a, there's a real thatch to it, but it's but the hair itself is thin. And you look at Jim Morrison's hair; those hairs are like spaghetti noodles. They're so they're like they're like squid ink spaghetti. <laughs> and so he's got this hair. It almost doesn't matter anything else about him except he also had the fat lips but i have fat lips uh-huh. he had you know he had a lot of fucking bullshit attitude i have bullshit uh, attitude. yeah you totally do i think but, you are i think of you as like a jim morrison yeah but not that i don't have the hair i don't think they, i think you're uh, you're wrong no i think you're over the hair s- stressing the importance of the hair all anybody wants is that hair i mean when i'm talking I about i don't fan. disagree with you I'm just they saying, I don't think it's, you, I think you're pulling it off just fine without the hair. I beg to differ because I've been there. I've been there. I've stood, I've stood, uh, I've stood on the threshold <laughs> of, of Jim Morrison-ness. And I've said, here I am. 
and the world has said, uh, you've got Ray Manzarek hair. Oh, right. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I fucking do have Ray Manzarek <laughs> hair. And they're like, yeah, if we wanted Ray Manzarek hair, then we would have made Ray Manzarek the star of the doors because he was playing like eight tenths of the music. <laughs> That's just four fifths. <laughs> Ray Manzarek was playing the bass with one hand and the lead keyboard with the other. Uh-huh. Robbie Krieger was just, he was just trying to figure out where the, where the notes are on right. his guitar. Yeah. If you watch him play, he's, li- he's literally looking up and down. He's got the little, <laughs> he's got the, the notes like written little stickers on his guitar. He's like, A, 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 no. A, E, 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 E. It's all being played by Ray, but nobody wants Ray because Ray has John Roderick hair. No. That's why. So anyway, all by way of saying, but then what makes Jim Morrison interesting is A, the hair, B, he was a asshole. People love an asshole. Yeah. And C, he died. He died and he died in some dumbass way where he was buried in Paris and oh, everybody just thinks that's dreamy. And so A, I have Ray Manzarek hair. B, I am an asshole, which is interesting. Uh-huh. But I didn't die. I'm still I'm still here. I'm, you know, imagine if Jim Morrison was still alive and he had a podcast like nobody would give a shit. <laughs> I, I don't know. Mm. Alec Baldwin has a podcast. He's still alive. He's got great hair. Yeah. I mean, like, he meets most of your requirements for being cool. Grace Slick. Grace Slick is still alive. Uh-huh. Grace Slick in the 60s and, uh, and very early 70s made music that was just as good as The Doors. Just as good as the doors. But then she stayed alive, live, alive long enough to make Jefferson Starship. Oh, right. And Jim Morrison would have done exactly the same thing. He would have done Doors Starship in 1979. He would have been up there all through the 80s with the absolute worst hair, dancing around like a ding-a-ling. And we would all be like, Jim Morrison, what a dope. Like, he had a couple of good songs back in the 60s, but he became a real yuck. Like Peter Cetera. I mean, there's nothing better than those early Chicago records. But Peter Cetera ruined all that goodwill by being a, like a dummy in the 80s. And also, he had Ray Manzarek hair, too. Yeah. I'm looking at his hair right now. Peter Cetera? Yeah. Total Ray Manzarek hair. We would like to thank our sponsor, Igloo, because we all struggle with productivity. We're constantly under pressure to accomplish more and to do it all faster. There is no one definitive way to accomplish that. So we come up with our own methods to make things work. And a lot of the time they're, uh, they're okay. They might not be great. Well, Igloo, Igloo is pretty great. And uh, you can keep doing things your way only better. Because collaboration, working with other people, whether it's one or two other people or tons of other people in a big company, it doesn't matter. Uh, there, there are these great tools that you can use that Igloo has made. It's an intranet that you'll actually like. It's a digital workplace that helps connect you with all the other folks that you're working with, no matter where they are or when they decide to work. And it all works beautifully together. It works on mobile. You pick and choose what you need. That's the part that makes Igloo so nice is you're 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 not stuck with this huge package of stuff. You just say, "You know what? 
I want to use just these things. That's all that I want to use. You take those things and you put them together and gosh, that's all, that's all that, uh, the time that you need to spend configuring it. It's super simple, super easy to use. And what if you could get 5% of your day back? You know, what if you could stop wasting that time? Igloo's going to help you do it. They have a special URL for this show. It's igloosoftware.com slash roadwork. igloosoftware.com slash roadwork. It supports the show and saves you a whole bunch of time. Go there. Check it out. igloosoftware.com slash roadwork. Thanks very much to the folks over at Igloo for making this show possible. You know, my friend, uh, my friend Adam Pranica decided he was going to make a documentary film about the making of the last long winners record putting the days to bed our 2006 record adam pranica came in and he he filmed in some ways he filmed the entire making of that record and he did so because he loved our music and he believed like so many other people did that we were on the cusp we were on the cusp of greatness and he was going to record the making of this record so that when it did become an enormous album he would have a film, the story of the making of the great record. Yeah, why not? And so he filmed us through the whole time. And that was during a time when I wasn't wearing a beard. So the whole time I was in the studio, I had my clean shaven sort of pork chop face. Mm -hmm. Not a thing I was that into looking back at the, looking back at the reels. But then that record came out and it did just fine, right? It didn't, didn't flop it was it did even it did the best of all of our records but it didn't become an enormous hit right and so all of a sudden he had the makings of a documentary of a band that had done just fine and there wasn't a thing i wasn't struggling with the heroin addiction i wasn't i didn't die during the making of this album i didn't you know, there was no bank robbery involved. Nothing big happened. All it was was here's several hours of footage of a kind of slightly maniacal, chubby, bullshit artist making an album of his own thoughts and feelings with his friends who are sort of tolerating him. And it came out and it did just fine. The end. And for, I think for a long time after that, after uh, we finished that record and toured it, Adam continued to film us thinking that something, some plot was going to evolve. <laughs> but wait, some, are you saying that there is like a full-on, not edited documentary out there in the world? I'm saying that there is a full-on, mostly edited really? documentary, which... I think Adam could probably make it two hours. He could make it an hour and a half. He could make it six hours. He could make it 45 minutes. Like it's all there recording us during, during a time. And now I think the only value of it is either as a document of a, of an era. So there will come a day when 2006 is interesting to people and this will be a document of that time or if something ever happens in my life where I become more interesting to more people, this will be a very good, very deep insight into what I used to be like or what, you know, what it was like to be around me when I was 30, 
eight. Yeah. Which again is like being around somebody when they're 38. That's not when you want the, if somebody had made a film about what it was like to be around me at 22, I would be very interested to watch that movie now. Yeah. Uh, because I was not a Jim Morrison. I was, I was like, if you took Robbie Krieger and put Jim Morrison in him, what if Robbie Krieger were animated by the, by the spirit of Jim Morrison? Spirit, yeah. Except everywhere he went, you know, when Jim Morrison walked into the Chateau Marmont in his leather pants and no shirt, like all the wait, all the waiters dropped their trays. Well, Robbie Krieger could have walked in there wearing like a Chiquita banana <laughs> on his head and firing two shotguns and everybody would have been like, oh yeah, here comes the guy with the normal hair. All right. And, but what if he, what if he did? What if Robbie Krieger, what if he, what if Jim Morrison lived inside of him and he walked in, you know, dressed really inappropriately and no one reacted and he fired two shotguns in the air. I mean, he would, you know, people would turn around. So yeah, if there was a, if there was footage of me from them, but you know what, in between the ages of 17 and 22, there are like four pictures of me. During that entire yeah, what was wrong with our parents? Five years. I mean, I have no idea what I looked like when I was nineteen. There's not a single picture. No, and I do. I don't. And I'm fine with that. I don't. I don't care because when I was nineteen, I did. I looked like a. I looked like a raw pork chop that somebody had. Well, that somebody put in an ashtray. So I don't. It's not bad that I don't have those pictures, but. But at the same time, think about a nineteen-year-old now that doesn't have a single picture of themselves. Yeah, really? <laughs> that's pretty, that's not really going to happen. No way. I mean, there is, I'm, I, I think it was just a byproduct of our parents and, and the generation that we're part of. There's a handful of pictures of me as a little boy, like age four to six. And then nothing until my 16th birthday when I got my driver's license. And then there's a high school graduation college graduation and then and then that's the wedding and that's it you know what i mean like that's it like what what, ha what happens there's thousands of pictures of my kids to the point where I'd, i couldn't even you know if i had to sit down and find the good ones out of there it would take me a month yeah there's, well, i would have loved to i would have loved to have seen more pictures i mean there's one picture of me with an epiphone les paul strapped around my uh my shoulder in a, in the loft of my college like apartment dorm thing, with a picture of Hendrix behind me, yeah, and there might even be a, a, a Marlboro Red in the tuning pegs of the guitar. Okay, now we're talking. That's the one picture of me from college, from all of college. Yeah. Now that you say it, I'm I'm realizing there is no picture of my first apartment. There's no picture of it at all. I have no, no sense of, I mean, I can still remember kind of what I was trying, what I was going for. No picture of it. I don't think there's any picture of my second apartment or my third apartment, not a single photograph to even just look at and say like a picture of somebody in it where it's like, Oh, see that, see that, that picture in the background or see that painting or whatever. There's nothing. Yeah. There's no, there are a few, there are several pictures of my fourth apartment because there was a, you know, 
there were a couple of gals who came by there a lot and one of them took a bunch of pictures of us with her disposable camera and she had doubles made. Oh, that might've even, that might've even been during the era where you automatically got doubles. Do you remember? Oh my gosh. Yes. I, you, yes. Yes. You could order doubles so for, for a long we need, time. You need to explain, or one of us does what this actually, the process of this, because I well, just remember the doubles thing. Yeah. So, uh, so all through most of the era of getting film developed, you would go get film developed. You would look through your pictures. And then if there were any that you really liked, you could go in Take the negatives back in and say, I want this one either blown up. Right. Or can you do can you do an extra one of these because I want to give it to a friend or something like that? It was pretty rare that you would that you would like a picture so much that you would go in and have anything done with it. And then in the eighties at some point, film developer places said if you want, you can pay extra and we will give you doubles, two two of each picture so that you can give them away. You know, if it's a picture of your friend and you want to give them one and you keep one, so you get doubles. But you couldn't, you know, it was just, you got the whole roll doubled, which meant that all the bad pictures, now you had two of them. And my dad always got doubles. Not because he wanted really to give any of them away, but just because it it was an additional, it was an add-on and dad always took the add-on. Right. So here we go. Now we have doubles of everything. And 80% of my dad's pictures were out of focus pictures of his shoes or, mm-hmm. you know, like accidental art photos of trees from a moving car. But we, now we had doubles of them. So it was like we never threw any of that stuff away. So what do we do with these now? Do you keep them together? Do you separate them into two piles? And, and you know, who knows? Uh, but doubles were very popular with people. And then at a certain point, right toward the end of the era of film, all photo shops just started giving automatic doubles. So it was assumed that you wanted doubles and everything was, you always got, you always got two of everything. Yeah. And that was actually pretty exciting times. you You'd go take a roll of film at a party and then you'd go kind of hand those, hand those pictures out to people. And a lot of the pictures I have of myself from my twenties are a result of the automatic double. Right. Someone else taking the photo and being like, Hey John, look at you in this thing. You're like, ah, let me have that. Yeah. Right. And they just hand it to you. You know, uh, these pictures I have of my fourth apartment, um, one of the ladies came by the house and just gave me an entire stack of pictures that were just all. So I have pictures of my roommates. I have pictures of, I don't know why I got them instead of anybody else in the house, but you know, you can look around in the pictures and, and see, uh, see a, a, a day in the life of, of what it was like to be 1992 in Seattle. And I would love to have, a roll of pictures like that from 86, 89. I mean, all the time that I spent riding freight trains, when you think about how wonderful and dramatic it would be if I had had a camera or if anyone had pointed a camera at me during that time, those would be pictures that I would actually really like to have because I could get them blown up and then I would put them in a picture frame 
And then when people came into my house, I would say, oh yeah, uh, look at that picture. Or I wouldn't even say anything. It would just be hanging in the bathroom and they would come out after going to the bathroom and they'd say, what the fuck is that picture of you on that train? <laughs> right. I'd be like, oh, that old thing? There, my, my, my friend Brian, uh, whom I haven't spoken to in 15 years, uh, his father was a his father was a professor, an Irish guy, who looked exactly like Van Morrison. And there was a picture in his bathroom, at his house, a black and white photograph of him in about 1969, sitting in a pub. In front of a pint of beer, obviously drunk, but smiling and. <laughs> You know, and the background was out of focus, but he, you know, his face and his pint of beer were in focus and it just looked like something from the, looked like something from the cover art of an album. But he, you know, it was like early on in his career as a, as a professor and an academic. And I remember every time I went to the bathroom in this guy's house, I would look at that picture and just be like, God, how do you, what do you have to do to be represented this way? And obviously it's not a selfie, right? Somebody else chose to feature this man in this photograph and then somehow he came to possess it. It's like, how does that happen? Nobody's taking any pictures of me and certainly they're not developing them and putting them in a frame and giving them to me. Nobody wants, nobody wants to remember me. When I walk out of the door, they all breathe a sigh of relief. Nah. Nobody's trying to take, nobody's like, let me go down to the dark room and, See, but that's that's the funny thing is now we we you know we make fun we you I everyone collectively you know we make fun of people who are always taking these selfies and you know taking everything is is taking a picture of you and the other people that you're with and you know yesterday or the the other day I was walking in that one of these outdoor like uh, shopping plaza things and there was a woman carrying a white dog around. And people were stopping her. She, she, I don't think she, it wasn't the famous dog. I, I, I would have recognized if it was a famous dog. It wasn't the famous dog. You're talking about the dog that just is on the television. This it's not a famous dog. This is I just the, the woman's dog. That was a cute dog, but not famous. And she was, as she was walking around, people would come up with her and, and comment on the dog and then want a picture. They didn't know this person. They were strangers. You could tell by the interaction. But they wanted a picture of themselves with the, the dog. So when they come home at the end of the day, they're like, hey, what'd you do today? Oh, not that much, but I got my picture with this really cute dog I saw that this woman was holding. And so there's just a picture. A cute, just a cute dog, not a, a famous dog, just not, a cute dog. Just a cute dog. And we have so many pictures of ourselves and our friends and our people. And we and I don't really think that we are doing anything with this. Whenever I look at because it's so easy to snap pictures. You know, we got a new uh, little tank for the beta fish that we have, the Siamese fighting fish. And it took me like 10 pictures to get this thing in focus. So I could send it to my mom who loves the beta fish who wanted to see a photo of the beta fish, but I had to take like 10 pictures of it. I haven't gone back and deleted the nine pictures of it that sucked. And do I even want the one picture of it? That's very good. Will I look back in a year or six years, 10 years on that little guy and be like, oh, you! I remember that one. That was the red one. Well, weren't the other ones red? Yeah, they were red too. And But look at this one. It was red and we had it in the tank in that room. You know, like, but the, all 10 of those photos are now on my phone. And when I get a new iPhone 
15 in a few years, I'll sync it up and they'll still be on that phone too. 10 pictures of the beta that's long dead, you know? Yeah. And all, meanwhile, you're being charged uh, the top, top premium <laughs> yeah. level for the cloud. That's right. Where you're storing all this garbage. <laughs> right. But and, there's no pictures of me for like 15 years of my life. Not one. Well, and also the, the, the cloud where you're storing all this stuff, they're scanning those <laughs> photos and you're going to see that beta fish picture show up in an advertisement. That's right. And it's like, oh, isn't that my beta fish? Well, you're, you're, you know, you're contributing. You're contributing to all of our worlds. I think, I think you may look back. You may look at that and see something in it. It may not be the fish, but it may be something in the background. You know, that's why it's so important to compose a picture oh. so that there's some kind of identifying element. And it's why I encourage people if uh, if they have an Instagram account and they like taking pictures of manhole covers or their cat or something to every yeah. once in a while turn that camera on themselves so that there's some kind of context for the rest of us, when I go on somebody's Instagram account and it's just like, oh, check it out. There's some funny food that I found at the grocery store. And you scroll down and you realize, oh, it's an entire instant. This is a person's personal Instagram. Right. It's not called funny food I found. Huh. It's called, you know, Joe Blow. But it's all just, you know, funny shit that they point their camera at. It's like, well, I got nothing to grab onto here. I don't want to see your funny shit. I, I'm interested in you. Yeah. And that's, I think, m most of the my favorite pictures that my dad took were the ones where he accidentally included some couch in the background. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, I remember that couch. That was the best couch. And you're not paying any attention to the, to the poorly framed people in the, in the foreground. But it is, it's, you know, it's evoking a memory. I used to sit under the piano when my mom played the piano and she... She only played the piano at Christmas time. All year long, she never would sit down. She wouldn't even run her finger across it as she walked by. Mm -hmm. But at Christmas time, she would sit down. She would pull out her sheet music. She would play Rachmaninoff, and she would play the theme from the summer of 42. And she had, you know, she had this stack of, of uh, sheet music. And she would sit and relearn the song. Right. And then for a week or two, she would play the piano. And I would... I would lay under the piano and just sort of absorb the music. And there's a picture and it's completely blurry out of focus picture taken in low light where the F stop was not properly adjusted. Cause my dad didn't really know how to use cameras. <laughs> and it's a picture ostensibly of her playing the piano, but I'm under the piano. Oh, that's cool. And that's what it's really a picture of because there's, you know, my mom doesn't want any picture of herself playing right. the piano. She's right. not interested in that at all, but I am interested in this picture because it reminds me of, of this thing that used to be very meaningful to me. And if I, if there wasn't this picture, I'm not sure I would remember that I used to do that. It's, it was just a, the piano was playing and I would crawl across the floor. I mean, I wasn't a, an infant, it was a thing that happened throughout throughout sort of the course of my young life. I'd be nine or 10 and crawl up under the piano and just listen. And I still have that piano, but 
but I don't, I wouldn't have any memory of it because it was so specific, like too specific even to remember. It was just a, it was just a moment that, you know, that only lived in its moment. Yeah. Um, but here's this picture, this out of focus, low light picture, and I can see myself under the piano and it's like, oh, right, 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 right. Why doesn't my mom play the piano anymore? Why do we all have to get old and die? Yeah, there's this there's this picture of me in my, uh, I must have been four or five years old, and I wanted to be R2-D2 for Halloween. And who didn't? And, and I, I think I talked with Merlin about this on a show at one point, but I, I, I you know, I, I think I must have asked for an R2-D2 costume, which today would be one of those really crappy, like cloth sort of things you would drape over you and you'd wear like a little hat that would be the top of R2-D2's head or something. But it was not what my dad's answer to this was to take a cardboard box and cut a hole in the top of it and cover the cardboard box with tin foil and attach one of his uh, Morse code. What do you call the little You know, the little mm-hmm. attach one of those with a speaker to it. And that was his answer to, uh, to my R2D2 costume. Wait a minute, it was actually electrified and you could make... Yes, and yes. Whoa. Pretty cool, but it. I realized after the second or third house that I got to when people would say, who are you? And I said, R2-D2. And the response was like, no, you're not. That I was like, at the third house, I was like, I'm a robot. You know, then it, then it was okay. Right. right. But there's a picture of me and in this photo, I'm standing in the kitchen and it's exactly what you're talking about. There's nothing, you know. Oh, there's there's little Danny in you know in the in in the robot costume in the R two D two costume, neat. But that's not what made the picture special, really. Because looking back on it, it's much more. Oh man, look at this. The, look at that kitchen. Look at the cabinets. I remember that can opener. Look at those measuring spoons. My mom still has those measuring spoons, you know, but it was, it's like that whole, and just the look and feel of the photo and remembering your childhood through all of that, you know, it, that's the kind of thing that I almost feel like with the amount of photos that we take today, it's going to be tough to even find those special little photos mixed in with the other 5,000 that we all took from, from that trip that we took, you know, to Kmart. Right. You 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 just caused me to remember a similar moment in my own Hollywood or Hol- I'm sorry, not Hollywood, Halloween times. I think it was 1980 and I uh, I had a brand new friend cuz I just started 7th grade and my new friend had moved up from Seattle to Anchorage and this was I mean we just met the first day of school mm-hmm. September whatever fifth and this was Halloween. So we were pretty fresh pals and we decided that we were going to go as cat burglars or, you know, as like burglars. Right. 
And so we both sort of dressed up in whatever black clothes we had. And we painted our faces with mascara, you know, like, but, but sort of commando style. Right. And I think we might've been cat burglars or commandos, something like that. And then this is the only time it happened. We, uh, the only time this ever happened, I went, I was invited to a party at the house of someone I'd gone to sixth grade with. And the kids, I, I moved school districts, right? So all my friends from sixth grade were going to Romig Junior High, which was attached to West High School. But I had transferred to Wendler Junior High, which was attached to East, East High School. So this was the last time I ever socialized with these people. They invited me to a Halloween party where all my old friends were going to be. And I you know, I said yes, and I took my new friend from Wendler, Kevin, and we dressed as commandos to go to this party. And it was, you know, I mean, it had been a few months, and in, at that age, that's an eternity. Oh, yeah. So I showed up at this party where all my old friends were, and they all went to a different junior high now, and it was like, whoa, a little bit awkward and weird, and I had brought this new friend from my new junior high that I didn't know that much about. And we walked in the door and here was the, here was the one element about my commando costume. Kevin was wearing a stocking cap, which was a reasonable thing to wear as a commando. (laughs) Sure. But I was wearing a black cowboy hat (laughs) because I had one. And in the sort of like, like uh, force 10 from Navarone or, or a team style of thinking of a group of commandos. There was always one guy that was like the, the British guy that was an explosives expert or the, or the cowboy guy Uh who smoked a cigar, right? There was like, uh, there was one guy that was a little bit, had his own bit of flair. Yeah. And so somehow I was wearing this cowboy hat as a, as a, as my bit of flair as a commando. But you know, my face was painted all, all uh, camouflage with with the mascara. But we walk in, and the first person um, that sees me as I walk in says, "Hey, John, that's cool. Are you Jr.?" Because this was the beginning of the television show Dallas, and Jr. Ewing was a massive pop culture figure at the time. Dallas was like one of the, one of those shows that everybody was watching and Jr was the, was the bad guy. Yeah. He was the rich Texas oil man. And I was like, no, I'm a commando. And then the next person that saw me was like, Oh, Hey, you're <laughs> Jr. And, you know, and, and Jr. Those are my initials. So it made, made a lot of sense. Well, by the time the third person said it, I walked into the bathroom, immediately washed all the, the mascara off my face and came out and was like, I'm Jr." And everybody thought it was wonderful. You were, you, you were scoring as Jr. big time. That's right. I had, I'd, I'd flipped the switch except my friend, Kevin, who was standing there basically dressed in a boiler suit and a, and a stocking cap with his, <laughs> his face painted with mascara and nobody knew him. 
and he did not think that was very funny no. that I had that I had switched it around and was now Jr. And he right. was he was like he didn't even he didn't even get to say and now it didn't make any sense. The costume yeah. made no sense. <laughs> no sense. Just it just looked like it just looked like a kid that <laughs> that couldn't afford a Halloween costume or had never really heard of Halloween and it had been explained to him. He he just looked he looked like a foreign exchange kid that was try that just found some clothes in a in a dumpster. He looked awful. Oh man. And he was trying to socialize with these people he was never gonna see again. They had dry ice in the punch bowl. I mean, it was it was a full on party. Full on kid Halloween party. But we were transitioning to like minor league adulthood. And it was I think the first time I ever I ever on the fly turned a uh, turned a bunk move <laughs> into a cool kid move <laughs> and uh, I was pretty proud of myself but you know I left my friend kind of out to dr- hanging out to dry right well our uh, one of our sponsors today it is a it is another podcast we have a podcast sponsoring this podcast what yes it is a fact and i think you i think you know these uh, people the podcast is called the greatest generation and they they oh my God. they describe it as a star trek podcast by two guys who are a bit embarrassed to have a star trek podcast oh as they should be they should be embarrassed they should be ashamed of themselves <laughs> and this is so the way that this works is they watch every episode even the one where all the uh, guys on the Enterprise turn into like little animals. I don't think I need this explained to me. And then they, they, uh, they talk about it. They talk about each episode. I feel like this is exactly the moment that podcasting jumped the shark. <laughs> I think you may be right. Uh, I mean, you're a big, you're a huge uh, Star Trek fan, right? I mean, this is your kind of show. Well, I mean, Star Trek The Next Generation came on when I was in college. Yeah. And uh, along with 21 Jump Street, it was a regular thing that we watched in our house. Uh, This was during the early years of my serious uh, experimentation with marijuana. And uh, (laughs) was this a a show that you would put on? Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, we the thing is, it was not you didn't put shows on. Of course, they were on TV and you sat down and watched them when they aired. (laughs) Uh, so it was a big production. We would watch Star Trek: The Next Generation. It, you know, it was a surprise that this show was as good as it was, considering the other dreck that was on TV at the time. But also, it was Star Trek: The Next Generation. It belongs in its time. It should have been left there. Yes. Why are <laughs> we still talking about this? Let alone, I mean, I know both of these dorks who are doing this podcast, and. Frankly, I had no idea that either one of them liked Star Trek The Next Generation and certainly not that cared enough right. to put this. To actually put it together and do it. This pile of whatever it is. Adam Pranica. 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 See, that's how I would. That's how my family would say it. Pranica. Pranica. And Benjamin R. Harrison. That's right. Ben R. Harrison. But you want to say Ben Benjamin R. Harrison like the initial R period but it's not it's a h r benjamin r harrison yeah. r like a pirate like r right? a h r so adam pranica is a good friend of mine he is the he is the documentary filmmaker who has 
been working on a long documentary about the long winters and about me. That's him. Never, never to air probably, but maybe he will finish it. Maybe it'll be his masterwork. Now he works at Boeing aircraft company, making videos of airplanes taking off and landing. What a cool job. And flying around in airplanes, taking videos of them. And I think he also makes videos for Boeing employees saying, good job, you guys. Please don't go on strike. <laughs> and also videos that say, don't cut your hand off in this giant machine. I mean, he's, he works for them, and I think it is a great job. Uh, Adam looks like um, Agent Cooper from the television show with the pie. The... Um, What's the one set set in the rainy forest? Made uh, there's a lot of pie involved. Laura, I don't, I don't know. Laura, uh, the some girl is dead, and then there's a lot of there's a log I think involved. Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. So I didn't. Yeah. I'm I'm weird. I never saw Twin Peaks. Yeah, I never did either. But it's but it's you know it's forced down your throat here with a cannon. But anyway, Adam Pranica looks spookily <laughs> like uh like. Agent Cooper, such that, such that people stop on the street and point. And, I mean, he is a wonderful man, but a, but a total dork. And then Ben Harrison, Ben Harrison. You know how you look at old photographs of people from like the old days, and you think to yourself, "That's so weird. They look like people from the past." Right? Like, there's a people, certain look. I know. What you yeah, mean. people don't look like that anymore. These are like past people, and present people somehow just are completely different. You couldn't pretend to be like when Hollywood does a like a movie of the past. It never looks right because just people don't look like that. Well, Ben Harrison looks like a person from the past. That's when weird. you when you see him, it's like he came out of a photograph of like the Brown University crew team from 1915. Uh, it's, it's, it's super bizarre. And I introduced these two guys. Oh, really? They're, they're friends because of you? Yeah. Ben lives in New York. Adam lives in Seattle. They're both uh, filmmakers who have trouble finishing projects. And I was like, hey, why don't you two guys that never finish projects get together and work on something together and maybe your combined skills will help uh, one of you actually make the film or television show that you keep talking about. And here's what they do. They get together. Right. And this, is, this is a result of their collaboration. Yeah. Instead of finishing the film or the TV show that they, uh, that they blather on about, they're making a podcast about Next Generation. I mean... There ought there uh, there are not words to describe <laughs> how I feel about this. Yeah, I feel like this is what what this is going to do is it's going to drag down podcasts everywhere. Yeah, people are going to people are they're not even going to listen to it. They're going to be aware that these two guys are doing this podcast, <laughs> and they're going to say, you know what, I'm not listening to any more podcasts. <laughs> this podcast about next generation is an insult to all podcasts. Yeah, and they're and now I've I've I've, I've Abandon the genre. Well, Ars Technica, the one uh, uh, until now wonderful website about all sort of things tech and geek has now covered the show, their show. Co covered it with a blanket? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I kind of want to listen to the show. I just don't know if I could, if, if, if I can endorse it. 
until I listen to it more. So I'm going to have to I'm going to have to listen to it. If you want to listen to it, I do not. Well, for the re- for the rest of the audience, you Oh, I, I see. Now they have a note in here. Uh, they're, they're paying for this they're athlete, paying right? for this yeah okay good so we have notes and stuff from them and it says dan mentioned that he's was a big fan of the next generation which is true i, I loved the show he says yeah, so yeah. so i know he knows how to pronounce our url but i don't know how to pronounce the url so i must not have been that what? big of a fan what's their url g-a-g-h gach 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 dot biz gog biz i i guess i don't know that i I feel like i'm left out of the of the joke i i think it may be garbage that's what i thought but that's 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 applicable that's apropos garbage garbage yeah (laughs) garbage like shaka when the walls fell i don't get that reference i imagine one of the appeals of this podcast, now that I'm thinking about it, might be that people at home also watch the episode in real time and listen to these guys comment on it. Oh, is it like a uh, mystery science theater kind of a thing? Maybe it might be, but it seems to me that what they're really doing, that should be a Google Hangout. Right? They should have a Google Hangout yeah, where everybody gets it, together watch and watches live. the same episode and then you can all talk about it. And I can't even believe I just said those words. <laughs> You're very, you're very tech, techie today. I can't even believe that I'm now in my mind <laughs> picturing Adam and Ben hosting a Google Hangout where people talk about, talk live about. I'll watch it together. Episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Isn't isn't there like there are like five hundred episodes of this? There show, were. Right? I don't go know like how ten many. seasons or something. Yeah, there were are a they, lot. Of- are they really going to do this? I know these two guys. They're going to do this for uh, for like 15 episodes and then they're going to stop because neither one of them has ever finished a film. <laughs> no, that's not true. Ben Harrison is <laughs> like there were seven seasons, seven seasons, seven seasons, seven seasons. And then and how many of them were about Ferengi? All right. All so, of, every episode of every season was about the Ferengi. One hundred and seventy eight episodes, I think. Seven seasons of Ferengi-based television entertainment. And Picard is, you know. Oh, I remember when Borg. He's not a Borg. When Picard became a Borg. Borg. I remember that. That was a a watershed moment. What's he going to do? He's a Borg. Oh, no. Ah! (laughs) Picard's a Borg. Does Data have emotions? Does he not have emotions? Does Lore still have the chip? Did he pass steal the, the bong? Yeah. Pass the bong. Yeah. And hand me another Keystone light. Yeah. Well, there were I movies wish... too. Are they going to do the oh, movies? Oh, I know. Isn't the, isn't there a movie where Spock talks to a whale? Or, yes, but uh, that's the, that's, that's not part of the next generation. That's the oh. original. What's the one where Voyager two comes back and has become sentient and is trying to kill the earth. Ah, that is the first Star Trek movie. And they refer to it as V'ger. Veger, uh, Veger, and I think there's the woman who's now she's made into an android, and she can still feel love in it later. And mm, what's the one with Christy Alley? That is uh, the I think that's also the first the first one. Yeah, what really? No, I think so. And she's uh, she's a Vulcan. She, she's a, a Vulcan, and she's doing the uh, the the test Kobayashi Maru test. 
Oh, yeah. What's the one where Star Trek first generation and next generation are in a movie together? Yeah. Uh, so like Star Trek 14? Yeah, or there's did, or a Or was movie. it a thing where they started over again and it was actually Star Trek episode one? And then we were asked, <laughs> we were asked to uh, start calling Star Trek one, Star Trek five or something. Uh, that was no, that what that didn't happen. That was Star a, Trek Five: A New Hope. No, <laughs> no, this was a um, undisco- I want to call it undiscovered country or something country. Um, where they where they did that. But well, no one anyway, li- no one likes that. No one likes Dan, that. Dan, I want to wish these two uh, guys. <laughs> The best of luck. This I is hope what they got for their sponsorship. So I hope they're, <laughs> hope they're I pleased. Hope, hope they enjoy their honeymoon. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, we keep talking about, uh, we keep talking about the promise of the internet and, uh, you know, we are living in a world now where you can call anywhere in the world for free and, uh, you can you right. have instant access to all information. And, uh, of course the people are going to use that for a variety of purposes. And In, including this. this, this is one of the things, yeah. this is one of the things that history is going to look back and judge this era. Uh, it's that this podcast is about next generation. Right. And it's done by these two guys who either, who look like they, be, who look like they belong in the past. The more I think about it, Adam Pranica also looks like somebody in a sepia toned photo. <laughs> he looks like somebody that you would see behind a picture of Nikolai Tesla. Um, like in a lab coat, right? With his hair parted sharply in the middle. In the middle, yeah. Holding some kind of apparatus. Well, it's, so, it's the garbage. G a g h b i z. Yeah. Go there, these and have, these guys have time traveled here from the past to yeah. make fun of us. <laughs> their with their with their weird idea. Yeah. All right. Well, via con dios to you guys. Yeah. Enjoy. Enjoy yeah. the new uh, audience members. <laughs> Yeah, and as everybody listens to this podcast and decides to stop listening to all podcasts, right. we're sorry hold to you responsible. Sorry, we lost them too. <laughs> uh, Dan, yes, I have a I have a request. Sure, and that request is that I have a dozen packages here. Yes, that we solicited back in December. Let's do it, and I have not. We've we've never managed to make it all the way through, and I feel I feel awful on behalf of all the people who sent me stuff in good faith. Yes, and and we've let's never, do it. Okay. Let's do it. All right, I'm so glad that you want to do this because I look at this stack of packages, and I don't want to open them. I don't want to open them on my own without without giving those people their due, their yeah. internet due. But I didn't, you know, we've had some good conversations. We've missed a few episodes. There just wasn't, just wasn't the opportunity. No, I think, I think it's a great time to do it. All right. Now let me look around here. Where are my shears? The shears are a key element. I seriously think I will be very disappointed if somebody has not sent you in one of these boxes, if someone has not sent you something better to open boxes with wow okay you know okay if they if they haven't expect a new package for me at some point and, now, but it's not me. gonna it's not gonna be an italian switch play. 
But right. well, and I don't. I'm not even finding my shears right now. I'm going to have to do this the old fashioned way with my with my bloody fingers. Oh, where are my shears? Oh, there they are. There they are. They were <laughs> hiding under a butterfly made out of out of paper that has an American flag motif. Okay, now I'm ready. So do you want to do you want to throw out a couple of guesses about what maybe some of these what what we're going to find in in these boxes? I have one, two, three, four, five boxes. Okay. And then probably seven to ten manila envelopes and various sort of large envelopes and a couple of small envelopes. You want to hazard a guess like what what the family based on what we've We've already received oh my gosh. what the family of things is going to be here. I mean, I'm particularly curious about the envelopes, whether or not I just received like 10 screenplays, 10 manuscripts. Or do they, when, when you say envelopes, are they like the large manila envelopes or are they small letter envelopes? Several large manila envelopes, several large padded envelopes. Oh, you've got to go for the padded ones. Those could be t-shirts. Those could be buttons. Those could be... You know, artwork even. I don't see a lot that look like they are full of t-shirts. I think that I would be psyched to receive t-shirts from people's various bands and side projects and yeah. whatnot. But okay, so you want to start with the with the with the envelopes this time, and not with the package. Yeah, I want because there could be a check or something in there. Oh, hello! You're absolutely right. Okay. See, all right, here we go. First envelope is from, it's very heavy. It's from New York Avenue in Washington, D.C. Tape shut. I'm going to use the shears. No, I'm not. I'm just going to tear it with my fingers. Yeah, rip it open. Okay, here they are some magazines oh wait a minute three copies of science magazine okay from an, a new or an old time period no, no no these are these are brand new okay here's the letter dear john we're chris and jimmy we're writing you from the offices of science magazine what? holy cat the scholarly journal based in washington dc we are two developers on the web development team wow. where we both make techs and tech makes we're both big fans of our of both of your uh, 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 world famous and award winning podcasts. Mm-hmm. We heard recent episodes of both programs in which you provided a public address. That's right. Uh, we thought we would send you a few recent issues of Science and encourage you to check out the magazine and our website, which is set to relaunch in January around the twelfth. So I'm assuming that that has happened already. Nobody at Science asked us to do this. We simply thought it would be nice to give you a few issues to peruse. In your reading room, a.k.a. the tub. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm completely confident that no one at science asked you to do this because you are the only ones at science who have ever heard of podcasting. Uh, thank you for your many contributions to our lives. We enjoy your music and always strive to keep moving and get out of the way. It's the law that governs our development, our meetings, our computer maths, and our day-to-day interactions with those around us. Good men. Good men. Uh, or I assume that Chris Coleman is a man, although that is maybe a mistake. Uh, Jimmy Marks, I'm going to guess is, is a guy. Uh, Please enjoy the magazine. And thanks again. 
So I'm very excited by this. You know, I am a I am a fan of science, and these are just flipping through them. Heady, heady, heady magazine. Yeah, they are not kidding around. This is no, this is no uh, Discover magazine. This is like, this is Kapow. I just opened it here to a diagram that says uh, quasi field free evolution, featuring some recombina- recombination, some ionization, and some laser controlled population transfer. So there are. There's a lot for me to not understand in right, here and right. also a lot of, uh, for me to be very excited by. So thank you very much for that. Three copies of science. Now I'm going to have to gonna have to learn, which as you know, I love to do. Okay. This next package is from Greenbrier, Tennessee uh, from Dan Wersch. And it is a padded envelope. And inside there's a... Another plastic bag and a couple of books. Now, let's see here. The plastic bag is from Pippi's Treasures. And inside, wait, wait, wait a minute. I should read the letter, right? Pip- Pippi's? Pippi's, P-I-P-P-I, Pippi's Treasures. Okay, the letter reads, dear, and it's dated January 10th. Dear John, after spending so many hours listening to your excellent uh, and award-winning programs and music, <laughs> uh, Michelle and I felt compelled to respond when you put out your call for handmade items. My bride is the more talented member of our household, which is why she has a business creating handmade items like the pillowcase. What? All right. I'm excited about this. You Ooh, know, I like pillows. I know. I know you do. Uh, like the pillowcase intended for your daughter. Even better. Our four-year-old has a similar one Michelle made last year. While marketing is not the primary goal of this delivery, I would hope not, we certainly (laughs) wouldn't object to a mention of Pippi's treasures. So Michelle is making things under the gnome de guerre of Pippi. The second item represents my latest hobby, procuring old documents and using them to cover notebooks. Oh, that's cool. I support that too. This pocket notebook was store-bought, but I then covered it with portions of a circa 1950 United States map originally found at the Amoco chain of gas stations. (laughs) I thought you might enjoy it based on your loves of both Seattle and cartography. Best wishes to you, Merlin and Dan from Dan Wersch and one assumes also Michelle. Yeah. And now opening it up, there is a fantastic pillowcase with a (laughs) uh, made of a fabric of dozens and dozens of very colorful owls, all of them either sleeping or falling asleep. It's sort of a, (laughs) the background fabric is black and then all these colorful owls all falling asleep and it is beautiful. So cool. And And the fabric is really nice. It feels really nice. And um, my daughter is going to love it because, you know, the other pillow that we got that was shaped like an owl, the knit owl pillow that you may remember us talking about months ago. Um, My kid keeps that on her bed and now talks to it and uh, fondles it. So this owl pillow, I mean, she's going to grow up to be a crazy person because her dad is foisting all this owl. Owl obsessed. 
But uh, Michelle, thank you. That's a beautiful thing. And now the little book is a fantastic little book about slightly bigger than a cigarette package. And it features a map of Washington and Oregon at a jaunty angle. And then on the back, it has the Amico roadmap. Um, like, what do you call that? The, um, the table, you know, the little table of contents or whatever. Yeah. Those are gorgeous. Thank you. Wersh family. Put that to use tonight. Okay. Now the next one, Dan is a very small padded envelope. All right. It's from galloping Gertie in spring Creek, Nevada. And on the front, there are two stamps. One of them is a sort of a beautiful old, a stamp with a picture of an old stone mill called the Glade Creek Grist Mill. And then the second stamp is a forever stamp of Johnny Cash, a picture of Johnny oh, Cash. Cool. But Galloping Gertie has drawn on the front of the envelope a, a robotic tracked vehicle, sort of like a tank. Mm-hmm. And drawn it in such a way that Johnny Cash appears to be driving the tank. Oh, that's cool. And the tank is holding with a robot arm a shovel. The shovel is pointed at a gravestone. All of this drawn on the front of the envelope. The gravestone says June, rest in peace. And the gravestone has some weeds around it and some cracks on it like it's an old uh, haunted gravestone. So that's what's going on on the outside of this envelope. Some hand-done galloping Gertie art. I would describe this envelope as over-taped shut. Do you save the packaging of these? The ones that have like special, where people have hand, hand-done the, the font and I like it, or certainly yeah. this with the... Uh, The inexplicable Johnny Cash driving a gravedigger tank. Yeah. I guess that's what that that's what that implies. Gravedigger. Right? Okay. So the inside of this package is highly scented. Oh. Here's well, the they know you like soaps. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here we go. Dear John, I am a trucker in Nevada who hauls equipment in and out of gold mines. Oh wow. <laughs> I often listen to your podcast while barreling across the alkali flats in the desert. Shaving has always been a pain for me because my skin is sensitive to chemical fragrances. Are you with me so far, Dan? Yes, I'm, I think I know where he, we're going with that. He's a trucker. He's a Nevada trucker. With sensitive skin. With sensitive skin. Yeah. So when, and I have very sensitive skin, as you know. Me too. So when my wife and I began to keep dairy goats she formulated this shaving soap for me from the goat's milk okay so he's a nevada totally on board with this totally on board with this with sensitive skin who along with his wife raises and milks goats and now has made a shaving soap while you may currently have a beard you might you oh i might also add that this is a typewritten letter like on a typewriter i love that not a not a printed in a typewriter font, but but typed. 
I love uh, that. Well, I mean, yeah, I think, I, can you tell, can you, do you have the ability to tell by looking and identifying what typewriter it is? Like, is it an IBM Selectric? What year? No, I can't. I and can't it's, either. It's, you know, what it strikes me as is, I mean, he's making corrections as he goes, but it does have a kind of, it does have that. Do you remember that? What was the typewriter where it had a little screen on it and you could go back and make corrections and then it would kind of print out the line. Oh, uh, it was yeah. like the early word processing typewriter. Yeah, I do remember that. Post electric. It was some kind of brother typewriter. I don't think he's doing that because he's he's making corrections in line. But it does seem a little bit like zzz, like like uh, it, it doesn't the you don't see the the impact of the hammer. Okay. Anyway. Um. While you may currently have a beard, you uh, might use it to trim your neck, or if you're the type who wears a beard solely to avoid shaving, perhaps you can be the first dude in Seattle to go post-lumber sexual. Oh, man. I'm not sure if I, I'm, I'm neither of those things, neither lumber sexual nor post-lumber sexual. <laughs> if not, maybe you can shave your legs before that big swim meet. That is not a bad idea. I cut myself shaving the other day on the inside of my thigh. Uh, I love old man stuff like <laughs> I love old man stuff like you find at estate sales, and I suspect you do too. Thus, I am confident that you have a shaving cup and brush somewhere. Are, were you just preparing for for the cruise next week, or oh, you're talking about when I was shaving? Yeah, you know, you're you get to be uh, part of being a sex maniac. Dan is being <laughs> ready for any eventuality. Yeah, no, I hear I hear that. As you may have discovered. Shaving soap is 1,000% better than some exploding can of cream in your luggage when traveling by air. Please keep putting in the hours on your podcast. And as we say on the Citizens Band Radio or CB Radio, you're coming in wall to wall and treetop tall, good buddy. They say that? I guess they do. Well, that's a big 10-4. This is from John Richard Little. What was that phrase again? You're coming in wall to wall and treetop tall. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah. Smokey's as thick as bugs on your bumper. <laughs> P.S. As a student of Washington history, you may have noticed that our soap company is named after a goat who was herself named after the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. And I just drove across the Tacoma Narrows Bridge the other day. The Tacoma Narrows Bridge, as you know, Dan, is the bridge that you've seen. <laughs> yes, as I know. You've seen a film of. Caught in a windstorm where the bridge is, is really uh, dramatically uh, being whipped about by the wind. And oh, then yeah. the bridge collapses. So if you want to watch that film again, it's Galloping Gertie is what you want to look for. And uh, then there's a little, little picture, might be a sticker of a goat. And it's like red tinted. And it says, all hail baby goat. And it's kind of in a heavy metal font. That seems a little scary. And then here's a picture of another goat. Again, sort of color corrected in a scary way that says, get your fresh goat milk soap here. <laughs> um, and then there's a package of package ri- wrapped in kind of bronze tinted foil or bronze tinted like, like paper, foil paper, and unwrapping it to uneven sized Bars of soap. One, Galloping Gertie's Desert Sage soap. 
These are available on Etsy, I see. And then Galloping Gertie's Men's Shave Soap. And the Men's Shave Soap is very, the, the Desert Sage, of course, smells like sage. Yeah. But the uh, Shave Soap does not smell like sage. It smells like basil, which is delicious. And these are, uh, you can you can feel the goat milk in them. Mm. I'm touching them and it's like very goat milky. Uh, thank you so much, good buddy. Uh, it's a big 10 4. And uh, let, the, let the wind hit your wheels and the, and, and the smokies stay off your bumper. Okay, that's wonderful. That's awesome. You having fun, Dan? No, I love this. I mean, I'm I'm a little jealous of the the goat's milk uh, mm-hmm. stuff. Well, I could I could I could share it with you. I could send you the 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 sagey stuff, and I'll keep the. No, I want you to. I mean, it was meant for you. I want you to enjoy it. Uh, frankly, anybody that has a podcast or any kind of media platform that doesn't say send me a package of the stuff that you make, yeah, is is bonkers. Well, you're, you've got this whole market cornered right now. No one else is doing this. Well, I guess that's right. Yeah. Can you imagine what Mark Maron would get if he said this? Oh my God. Would, I would, to, he would have to have someone else open it for him. Yeah. He'd need his own post office. Yeah. All right. Now there's a big package, a big, I'm sorry, a big uh, padded envelope. And all it says at the uh, return address place is pie from a stranger. That's interesting. Yeah, there's nothing on the label here to suggest where, from whence it came, but it was mailed December 14th. So, pie from a stranger, I'm very sorry. that it's I hope, I hope it's not actually pie. Yeah, right. No, it is a book. Oh, my good God. It's a book called Atlas of Remote Islands. Wow, this is right up your alley. 50 Islands I Have Never Set Foot On and Never Will is the subtitle. It is a gorgeous book, an an exceptional, oh my God. If you do not have this book and you are into this type of thing, let me suggest Atlas of Remote Islands because I am tripping balls right now. <laughs> okay, inside there is a letter, so it's not just pie from a stranger. It's on a, it's like gorgeous stationery, and the handwriting of this person is delightful they just put john roderick at the top it's like no is it, it is it the atlas of remote islands or the pocket atlas of remote islands no this is the atlas so it's not a pocket okay. book it's it's the size of a it's not quite the size of an atlas it's somewhere between a pocket atlas and a proper atlas okay it's a medium atlas i'll put this in the show notes uh so this person has handwriting that almost looks like elvish whoa Dear John, since you are brave enough to offer an actual address for people to use, I felt, oh, and when they, when they use the word I to, to refer to themselves, um, they use lowercase I. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt I should take advantage of the opportunity. I think you will enjoy this book. Indeed, you may be the ideal reader, and truly I am. It is translated from German. Of course it is. Contains maps, discusses obscure history, illuminates the human condition. I believe it. 
and holds stories that are neither true nor false. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize that this was that kind of work. I have read my own copy more than once and find new revelations each time. This is very thoughtful. Despite the notation on the envelope, this is not pie from a stranger, but simply a way to thank you for many hours of listening enjoyment from all the great shows. Best regards, unintelligible. Hmm. They they have uh, put their signature here, and it is impossible to know. It is impossible to know uh, anything about this person except that they write in Elvish. P.S. I have postmarked this from a city not my own so as to avoid triangulation. This person does not wish to be known. Very mysterious. Well done. Um, Well done, person. A person who is not determinable. I am going to digest this book. With relish. I'm looking at pictures, the few pictures of it that exist on Google Images. It looks really, really, really cool. It's so cool. It's unbelievable. Okay. And well done concealing yourself. All right. Next package. It's a, it's a, um, what appears to be sort of an, a, an airmail package from a foreign place. Best kind. Yeah. And it says uh, it's from Bill Brain. Cornwall on the Hudson, New York. Huh. So couldn't be more foreign. Right, really. Than Cornwall on the Hudson. All right. Opening this package. It has a handy opener. Inside the envelope is another package. Uh, a package, Dan, that you would appreciate. It is wrapped in, it's a, it's a book, wrapped in brown paper okay. and tied with twine. Ah, I like that. This is wonderful. I, I'm seeing this now. I realize that this is how I'm going to wrap all presents from now on. Brown paper wrapped in twine. All right, opening this inside. There is a copy of a book called Bone Hollow, written by the self-same Bill Brain. Rural suspense with killer stakes, a Hudson Heartland mystery. When a Catskill house hunting weekend turns up two dead bodies, New York hipsters Serena and Jeffrey Gale find themselves at the center of a dark conspiracy that follows them back to their familiar Brooklyn neighborhood. It's a novel. It is a novel. Here, there is a letter. Bone Hollow Field Test Notes. Opening it, it's on very heavy bond, this uh, this letter. Dear John, enclosed find one paren, numeral one, and paren, copy of my handcrafted novel, Bone Hollow. This one I'm sending is by necessity a reproduction of the original, which existed only in my imagination. Hmm, weird. That's a weird way of describing <laughs> writing a novel. But it is of acceptably high fidelity. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to digest that. Yeah. Uh, this is by necessity a reproduction of the original novel, which existed only in my imagination. Mm-hmm. All right, Bill. That's a little weird. I know being asked to read someone's independently published book can be a burden. Well, you said a mouthful. But in so instead, I request that your field test consist of carrying it around as though you were reading it. And, <laughs> and seeing if it functions as a book in the world in that one sense. Wow. Right? 
right? That makes sense. Uh huh. If carrying it, you find you're inclined to read it, all the better. Also, by all means, feel free to delegate this field test if you think it will uh, render a more complete or nuanced set of results. With gratitude for your time and for ATGS, which I take to mean all the great shows. All the great shows. Built brain. And that was sent <laughs> no, the 20th of November, 2015. Wow. So that is a vintage package. That's right. Uh, Bone Hollow, I am going to immediately put in my Filson bag and carry it around for a while and see if it functions as a, as a book in the bag. And, uh, and then it will probably be successful in that way. We'll see if it, we'll see if it gets, uh, if it gets all the way in here. Um, Oh, he has appeared on getting on with James Urbaniak. He's one of my, uh, favorite dudes. So Bill, thank you for bone hollow. It's a beautiful thing, and I'm going to carry it around it as you suggest and see what happens. No promises. I may delegate that to somebody, but I may like it. I've decided I'm going to start reading novels again, Dan. Did you hear? Did you? Uh, well, this is perfect timing. Well, it is. I, I, uh, I realized I was recommending some books to somebody, which I don't normally do. And I said, God damn it, I haven't read a novel in too long. Most so of what stop. you read are sort of historical yeah, but I'm I, 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 I'm I'm tired of reading about old dead people. I want to start reading some some kooky novels written by written by actual people. All right, this next envelope comes from Smithtown, New York. We're we're getting packages from all over rural New York. This was sent by Bobby Sayers. Opening it, it little, is little Bobby Sayers. Little Bobby Sayers. It's a kind of a little stack of items here. Oh, 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 okay. What is this? All right. Okay, Bobby Sayers. The first two things to fall out of the envelope are two pretty well-preserved banknotes from the Bank of Iraq. Really? Featuring a young Saddam Hussein. And these bills are... Truly wonderful. They're five five dinars from the Central Bank of Iraq. Two of them matching pink pink bills. Okay, <clears throat> here's the letter. Ready? Yep. Sir, comma. First off, I apologize for both the typed letter and the lack of handmade items in this shipment. Paren, I have terrible handwriting and lack creative talent. And paren. <laughs> The contents are listed on the back of this letter. Anyway, I had the pleasure of meeting you in Djibouti last year. Oh, nice. There aren't many people who, have, who can say that, right? At that time, I was familiar with some of your music, but had not yet fully immersed myself in the John Roderick universe or John Roderick verse. As we oh, right. The Roderick verse. Yes. I've since caught up on Roderick on the line and road work and your openness about your mental health has helped me recognize the effects that my own Welsh troll was having on me. I had previously thought that depression and unwarranted self-doubt were things that I had defeated in the past, but the warning signs of their return were becoming increasingly hard to ignore, paren, despite my best efforts to do so, end paren. I've recently taken steps to treat them, and I feel better than I have in a long time. That's wonderful. 
I can't thank you enough for all the great podcasts and music. And my wife and I look forward to seeing you on the cruise. Oh, oh there you go. We're you're on a cruise. You're on a cruise next week. I'm leaving on the cruise on, uh, I'm leaving for it on Friday night. And so we will see each other again very shortly. She met you when we were at David Reese's event in Brooklyn last month, and she instantly understood my man crush on you. Aww. Aww. Uh, now, I know Bobby Sayers. I have met him a few times. Yeah, little, little Bobby Sayers. Little Bobby. All right, here are the contents. A book of bathroom graffiti that I encountered overseas. <laughs> so he says he is not creative, but he has made a book of pictures of penises uh, that he's found in bathrooms around the world. From Manus Air, ba- Air Base in uh, Kyrgyzstan and Camp Lamonier or Lamonier in Djibouti. So between those two military bases, an entire book worth of penises. That seems pretty creative to me. Uh, also, a June 1986 issue of P.S. The Preventative Maintenance Monthly Magazine. I picked it up in a bookstore in Charleston, <laughs> South Carolina a few years ago. The anthropomorphic military equipment will give you nightmares. All right. Well, that's what I'm looking for. Yes. Uh, some Iraqi dinars with Saddam on them. Not sure if they're counterfeit or what, but I got them in Baghdad in 2003. They don't appear to be counterfeit. Th- this is the thing. I feel like if you are going to counterfeit a bill, you're going to do it for a denomination larger than five dinars. Yes, it has to be much larger. Right. right? You're, gonna, you're not going to do it for less than 100 dinars. I don't know how, what the exchange rate of dinars were. But if, the, if it's five dinars, I know it's not worth counting. No. An unopened pack of Desert Storm trading cards, <laughs> which here they are. What are what trading is cards and one sticker? Well, it's like baseball trading cards, except it says Desert Storm Victory Series, Coalition for Peace. They're, uh, they're authentic tops trading cards. That's phenomenal. And saved by guardian challenge coin. I serve in a rescue unit, the 106th rescue wing, New York air national guard. And when I was in Afghanistan, the para men would slip these coins to their patients on route to the hospital. Oh, wow. Wow. So that's really so, cool. So when I was in Djibouti, I toured these, uh, black, you just like saying Djibouti, you just like saying it. I do like saying Djibouti. Yeah, I don't blame you. I went on a tour of these helicopters. These are the rescue helicopters that leave from Djibouti and go pick up guys uh, out in the boonies. 106th rescue wing. Uh, they were in Afghanistan. Then they were in Djibouti. Oh, wait a minute. The ones in Djibouti were from Alaska. Anyway, I know what these Blackhawks are. They go in there. They go in hot and they rescue people. But these, this is a coin that they actually slip to guys that have been wounded in battle. Wow. On the, on the, the front, it has a black Hawk and it says saved by a guardian or saved by guardian U S air force combat rescue. And on the back, there's a picture of a woman with wings, but her wings are the American flag. That's pretty cool. And they're kind of almost like dragon wings. Oh, I guess they're angel wings, like hardcore angel wings. She's wearing like a a um, cleavage revealing sort of angel dress. And she's holding, I think, the earth in her hands. And it says guardian angel. That will go in my, that will go in my challenge coin collection. Toot sweet. Preventative 
the preventative maintenance monthly is also a total head trip. I have no idea. It's like a kid's like a comic book explaining to servicemen how to, how to like do preventative maintenance on their equipment. Weird. Interesting. Super weird. Okay. That is a weird and wonderful little package. I'm going to really enjoy looking at the, the book of Dick graffiti. Thank you, Bobby. I'll see you on the cruise in a very short order. All right. We're getting down here, Dan. All right. This is all right. This next envelope is from Lake Mary, Florida. Oh, you know what? I used to work in Lake Mary, Florida. You did? Yes. For quite a while. Uh, I believe it is from Tony Tennille. Uh, and it has a sticker of Gilda Radner in uh, the character of Rosanna Rosanna Dana <laughs> on the front of the envelope. All right, now I'm opening the envelope with my shears, as you can hear. Inside. It's just sheets of paper. Oh, wait, no. No, no, no. Oh, 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 oh. Hello. What is that? All right, here we go. Are you ready for this? Yes. Jan- this is sent January 10th. And it's uh, it's printed from a computer. Okay. And I, Does that take away from... No, 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 it's, and it's in a nice big, it's not, it's, you know, it's like, it's like 16 points too. It's not 12 points. And I think it's in comic sans. I'm not really good at telling comic sans, but I think it may be in comic sans. Hey, John, my niece, Carolyn St. Clair and her boyfriend, Michael Donaldson are big fans of your podcast. They turned me on to the segment you posted about seventies nostalgia. And I was thrilled to hear you say that my voice was in your ears at the dawn of your sexual awakening. Very cool. I am in my 70s now, and my sexual awakening went to sleep a few years ago, but, <laughs> I, but my memory of it is still sharp. I have a memoir, Tony Tennille, a memoir, coming out in April. If you like, I can send you an advanced copy. It is available for pre-order now on Amazon.com. Here's wishing you continued success with your podcast. Tony Tennille. It's the Tony Tennille. It's the Tony Tennille. Signed Tony Tennille. Lake Mary, Florida. You're, ki- you're kidding. On Facebook as the real Tony Tennille. And then inside is a, is a photograph of Tony Tennille and the captain. She is playing a Fender Rhodes piano and uh, a smaller keyboard, which I know to be a little electric bass keyboard, which I think might even be like a like a Wurlitzer electric bass keyboard. And then the captain is sitting at a Hammond B3 organ, and he's he also has a drum machine, which is which I recognize as a maestro, like rhythm maker drum machine, which he's, I think he's, he can't reach it from where he is. So he's touching it. He's changing the drum pattern with the mallet (laughs) that he has in his hand, because in front of his Hammond B3, he also has a set of vibes. Oh, wow. 
So the B3 is up a little bit on casters, and then he has a set of vibes in front of the B3, and he's touching the maestro drum master with the, the, the backside of, of his uh, mallet. Tony is wearing a crushed velvet top. They're playing in front of a giant stone fireplace, and it is a promo picture from their band, The Dragon. Because as you know, the captain's last name was Dragon, right? His name is Daryl Dragon, I think. Daryl Dragon and Tony Tennille. Yeah, Daryl Dragon, yeah. And then written in pen on the front of the picture is, for John Roderick, signed Tony Tennille, 2016. This is crazy. I think this this may be the biggest thing you've got. This is pretty incredible. And it says... It says, John, thought you would enjoy this photo of our club days taken in 1972, I believe. Note, Daryl is not wearing a hat. Signed, Tony. Uh, this is this is blowing my mind. Pretty really, crazy. Really is. Daryl is also wearing white jeans, I might add. Is there uh, such a thing back then? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. we can make that now, but back then, could they make that? Well, I, or they may be white corduroys. I think those were very Ooh, popular. That would be even better. But Tony is playing, so she's playing, uh, she's playing what looks to be a D chord with her right hand on the roads. <laughs> and then she's holding down an E. No, 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 it's a D. She's holding down a D octave or a D fifth um, on the bass. And she's smiling and she looks lovely. Uh, that's incredible. I'm just, I'm, I'm so tripping. cool. We just got a we just got a letter from Tony Tennille. This is. What did I, you know I, when you were reading Tony Tennille that it was the Tony Tennille, or did you? Just well, think, no, no. I mean, I saw Tony Tennille, and I was like, sure, right, sure. Uh, and uh, and <laughs> and now I look I look at this the little picture of Gilda Radner as uh, Rosanna Rosanna Dana, and I I have no, I have that I, that raises even more questions. Yeah. Uh, so we we got a guy driving in and out of gold mines. That also is a goat goat razor. Goat razor. We got Tony Tennille. Yeah. Got a guy in the Air Force Reserve, uh, a novelist. We've got two guys that work at Science Magazine. Yeah. I don't, I don't. Um, and then. Uh, That's just insane. Well, and then uh, the the Werucks, who are, uh, you know, are, are embroidery experts. I feel like this whole scene is why why did we Imagine so these long? people all in in one room. I am, you know? Am. Like that the, at that party. They're in the virtual room yeah. of all of us in uh in this internet life. Yeah. I just wish I could be in the room with them all at once. Okay, now this one truly has come from overseas. It is it appears to be sent through the Royal Mail. So that Seems to be an indication that it is from the United Kingdom. The Royal Mail. Uh, sent January 21st. It is a cardboard, a large cardboard envelope that has been taped very artfully with like copper tape. Hmm. And then on the back, written in Sharpie, sender, Leslie and Ross, studio well i won't give you their address but they are from the wasps artist studios 
in Glasgow. <laughs> so they're Scots. Do you think wasp has a different meaning over there than here? No. I think in Scotland, a wasp is still a wasp. Although there was an airplane used in World War II by the United Kingdom called the Wasp. Okay. It was one of their uh, warplanes. All right, now, having opened it, looking inside, there is a further package wrapped in green tissue and, again, taped with a special tape. This tape has sort of harlequin diamond pattern. And taped to the front of it is a letter. Dear Mr. Roderick, greetings from Scotland. We are a couple of (laughs) artists who share a studio and listen to many podcasts as we work. Enclosed are some fruits of our labor, of our labor. We hope you enjoy them. We also like receiving parcels. It brings a bright spot to a gray and wet Glasgow day. Glasgow has a very similar... uh, Climate to Seattle. It rains a lot. Uh, and they have a river called the Cline, which uh, used to be a shipbuilding center and then fell into decline. Okay, uh, to continue on. And we are happy to bring that pleasure to internet friends. Thank you very much for the music and for all the great shows. Regards, Ross, Macaulay, and Leslie Barnes. Or yeah, Barnes. Well, so they like receiving packages, so I'm going to read their address. Leslie and Ross, Studio 213, Wasps Artist Studios, The Brigade, which is spelled B-R-I-G-G-A-I-T, The Brigade, 141 Bridgegate, Glasgow, G1, United Kingdom. So if you want to send those guys something, I highly recommend it because they've sent me this. Well, let's see what it is. Yeah. All right. Opening the tissue, green tissue inside. There's a real assortment of items. There is a, a business card, which is very long and it is a happy sort of Dr. Susie dog. Long Dog, Jill and Dragon by Leslie Barnes, Tate Publishing. It's a, oh, it's a bookmark. That's what it is. That's nice. Shape of a dog. Oh wow! Look at these. They're like little etchings, signed and numbered. Not really numbered. They're proofs. Oh, that's cool. Of little etchings of a little bearded face and a tripping out psychedelic sort of monkey bird face and a a face of a little man wearing a crown, a tall, tall crown. There is a princess riding a tiger. Very very long braids. And she's wearing polka dot clothes and it is a green tiger. Which is beautiful. My daughter's going to love that. Then there is a very elaborate castle, castle and, and fun land with some MC Escher style stairs that go around and around. And then a series 
of little, what are these? Oh no, it's not a series of things. It's a unfolding, like accordion folded piece of art that features giant magical birds and horses under attack by hussars and more hussars and princesses and dragons. I can, it's a, it's like a story of a firebird, but all visual, no, uh, no words. Uh, wow. That is phenomenal. Listen, if you are listening to this and you want to send packages to these people, you must immediately. And then here's a very large proof of an etching of a sort of bird-nosed man in a trench coat standing in the rain. And he is, uh, although bird-nosed, he is, at first I was going to say that he was smiling, but now I I have my doubts. He's wearing glasses and he's, he seems a little oppressed by the rain, frankly. He is very familiar to me. All right, and now, wrapped in pink tissue paper, a further item. This is also sealed with interesting colored tape, sky blue tape. And it's a, it is a, a book, a children's book called Jill and the Dragon. Oh, it is a thing of such unsurpassable beauty i cannot even describe what is it well it's a children's book called jill and the dragon by leslie barnes and it is phenomenal it's so beautiful oh i'm looking at pictures of this i almost do not want my daughter's grubby little hands on yeah really except except that she has recently decided she said to me the other day she said daddy i want you to buy me a sword. And I said, a sword. And she said, a sword and a shield and some, um, and a, and a fighting costume. Oh, cool. And I was like, what's going on? And she said, well, I am a princess as you know, but there are times when you must fight dragons. And so I need a different costume. She needs to take up arms and do what needs to be done. And I was like, you got it, sister. I will get you a fighting costume. She was like, yeah, one must go to war. Sometimes one <laughs> must go to war. And I quizzed her about the war. Like what war? Who are you fighting? What war? And she, her answer was the war daddy. As though there were one war. Hmm. And she kind of didn't, she wouldn't go any deeper. Wow, the this war book is is I'm putting these in show notes. This is amazing. The artwork in this is it's 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 crazy, right? Crazy beautiful. Really what? is. We are. We I'm gonna have, I gotta I'm gonna order one of these things. You should you should we are well you should absolutely. We have amazing fans. <sighs> I don't know I what to say. I can't go on. I can't go on enough about this. Who are you people? Why are you listening to this podcast instead of uh, running the world, which is what you should be doing? Oh, look at this. This title will be released here in the U.S. on April 12th, 2016. You can't this get it This is an advanced here. copy. Well, or a U.K. copy. 
Uh, go online right now, all you American people, and advance order this Jill and the Dragon. It's only seventeen ninety five. Leslie Barnes. And uh, if you are in the United Kingdom or elsewhere, you can just go get just it right walk now. Walk out your front door and take a left, and there it is. All right. And now, finally, there is a postcard. It is a postcard of Queen Elizabeth II's face. And it's Queen Elizabeth taken recently. It's not young Queen Elizabeth. It's, it is contemporary Queen Elizabeth wearing all of her jewels. And it says, it is addressed, Sir John Roderick. Mm. Inaccurate, yeah. but, but pleasant. I, I wouldn't mind. Um, although I'm not sure. Can an American be knighted? You, by can, a, you cannot. You cannot. But I, I would be honored by some kind of order of the British Empire, something that they want to. If any, if anyone is friends with the Queen, like they're like people are related to or friends with Tony Tennille, by all means, get her in touch with me. Yeah. But this was sent, and for some other strange reason, it has four four stamps on it. Like this is a postcard, and it has more postage on it than anything else I've gotten today. Four stamps. It's sent from White Plains, New York. And unfortunately, in transit, one of her shoulders was ripped off. Oh. So the shoulder where her sash is, is still there. But the other shoulder, her right shoulder, is ripped off. And on the postcard, it says, for all the great shows, written in pink pen, outlined in yellow. And then the signature has been ripped off. But it, I can see a heart. And I think what, it's, what says Remy and Sasha, or maybe Remy Sasha. Hmm. which would be a super cool name, but it might also be Remy and Sasha. And then there's no other information below that. So I don't know anything more except that Remy and Sasha live in white plains, New York or, or, or mail their stuff from there. So now Dan, we yeah. are, we have made tremendous progress. Uh, I know that this show is, our show has always traditionally been a long show. Sure. Uh, but we are, you know, we're, we've been at this a while. Are you still game? Cause there's five boxes left. All the boxes are left. Mm, so we got through all the envelopes. All the envelopes are, are done. I feel like I want to save the boxes for next time. Okay. Because okay. You, well, think about it. it. How often have you gotten a box where there was just one thing in it? There's usually lots of things in them. True. True. I feel like we've got to save something. I, I, I feel like you're right, but I just, I just feel so bad no, for these. You want to keep going. Well, How about no, we do, why don't we do one box? Then? No, I don't think that's fair. If we do one box, then we got to do them all. But let's see, let's see when these were mailed from. Um, and, and while you, while you do that, uh, it is possible just so that we don't get the email about it. Yeah. Um, it, I believe that people, Americans can get honorary British knighthoods. Oh. Which would entitle them to append the honor to their name, but not use the title sir or dame. I think Bill Gates is an example of this, who could be Bill Gates KBE, but could not be referred to as Sir Bill Gates. Right, right, right. Knight of the British Empire. Knight of the, the British Empire. So I think for you, you have hope of attaining that still. Okay. Well, let me, just, let me just read off these boxes so that the people that have sent them know that I have them. There's one from Fargo, North Dakota. I like it already. There's one from uh, Stetson Drive in what? North Carolina? West Carolina? Hard to say. Anything there from Mayor's Income, Tennessee? I haven't gotten that far. All right. 
Here's one from Hole Punch Studio in St. Paul, Minnesota. Like the name? Uh, this one comes from Charlestown, Massachusetts. And then the final one here is from Los Angeles, California. So if you have sent me a package that we have not covered, uh, yell at me. Uh, that's not one of those. That's not one of those I just named. Oh, I'm so I'm emotionally like completely drained. It's amazing it's, what you got. This really pleasurable feeling. Of, Seriously, like I'm drained, but like it's like I mean, not to just make it all about being a sex maniac, but it's nice. It just feels like feels <laughs> like I just had sex with all those people. <laughs> I think you did. Whew. Well, is there any is there any more business uh, to uh, to append to no. our show? No, I think we're we're in we're in good shape. Well, now wait a minute. Wasn't there? Aren't we? Don't we have advertisements? Yeah, but I was going to do those after, and then we'll do we'll do them now. And I put I put in two perfect markers for where to put them in. So I'll edit this part out, and then we can record them after we say goodbye, and then we can make it perfect. You, oh, you're talking about the Adam Pranica one? Yeah. Like we can record it now, but I I marked a perfect place for it to fit. Oh, I see. Okay, it'll be perfect. Okay, good. Um, well, Dan, thank you for indulging oh, the package opening. That's great, and um, thank you everyone who sent those things. Whew. Seriously, you know when you think about it, you, you you do this kind of podcasting, and you just sort of send it out into the world, and. The only, yeah, you don't know who's there and who's going to receive it. No, you, you, you get tweets from people sometimes that are like, burp, burp. And, you know, and when you appear live or you go out into the world, I told you about, I was walking down the street in Brooklyn and a guy walked up to me and held up his, held up his phone and he was in the process of listening to road work as yeah. he was walking down the street and saw me walk into a store and he was like, that's, that's the guy that I'm listening to right now. So he just came in and kind of silently held up his phone. Uh, to show me he was listening to Rogue. I love that. It was like, well done, sir. I was, Uh, I was, I took my, my son and I, and I dragged my little girl with me and uh, he and I were getting our hair cut over the weekend. And, you know, just sitting there getting, talking to the lady cutting our hair. And then at the end, we're up in the front pan and there's a guy sitting up there and he is Dan Benjamin. I said, Oh, hi. And he says, all the great shows. Big fan of all the great shows. <laughs> and we talked for a few minutes. A really nice guy. And uh, it's it's just funny. Like you, it's such a small world. It's really such a small world. It's 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 bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I what I like about this is that you know there are a lot of people that make things that maybe aren't out there shucking and jiving. You know what I mean? They're not right. Like, hey, look at me. They're just sort of making stuff. Yeah. And this uh, this weird little thing that we happened upon, this suggestion, uh, gives uh, some of those people the opportunity to say, "Hey, here's actually what I'm what I'm doing." Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a there's another package I got that I uh, of a of a hand built microphone that I that's interesting. I've hesitated to to describe because it kind of came. And I opened it because the person was in touch with me and said, 
my package is coming, open it. Right. So I'm not sure that it, I'm not sure that it uh, falls into the category of a package that I got, but I know that the owner of this company does listen to the podcasts. It's a, it's a, it's a microphone from the ear trumpet company. Oh yeah. And it's this, I mean, phenomenal, gorgeous thing. And I haven't yet hooked it up to use it. And all their stuff is handmade, right? It's all handmade. Oh man. I would kill for one of those things. He listens to our, uh, our podcast, I think, but, but it was sent kind of under separate cover, like not, I'm sending this as part of this big pile of sure. packages you're going to get, but like this is on its way. So for people who don't know what the ear trumpet it's, I think it's, yeah, it, that's it. I'll put it in the show notes. It's ear trumpet labs, ear trumpet labs. And I've looked at, at this stuff before and it's, there is very much, and I mean this in a very complimentary way. There's a very retro and, and steampunk vibe to these microphones. They look like, just the coolest things. And they, these are not inexpensive microphones either. No, they're not. And, and I was, uh, I have received the Edwina mm-hmm. model of, uh, like it's a large diaphragm condenser. Beautiful mic. And it's a thing that I can use in a variety of recording applications. You're not going through today, are you? No, uh, I, oh, look you know, at the case I'm, that one comes in pretty cool. I've started working on my album again. <gasps> really? So I have this tendency or I have this sudden need for um for exactly this. That's right? just awesome. So yeah, it's pretty uh it's pretty exciting and I you know I feel like I will talk about the uh I'll talk about the Edwina more as I as I employ it. Man, these are awesome. Yeah, it's I would totally, use this thing in a heartbeat. It's totally gorgeous. Um, so, I mean, with that, there's there's five more boxes to get through. Mm. Unless I unless I keep receiving boxes, uh, we should be able to should be able to knock this out the next time we get together. Should we not give uh, the address then, so that you can get? Oh, I mean, no. we don't have to. I'm saying like no. we could we could intentionally not give it out. And that way we, you'd catch up. Well, I'm not worried about catching up because I, because every one of these times I just go, what is going on in my world that I have these wonderful things? So I don't want people to stop if they yeah. want to send me things. No, the address is still 815 Seattle Boulevard, Suite 332. Make sure you put my name on it because nobody downstairs here even knows yeah. what the door numbers are. Seattle, Washington, 98134. Ugh. Well, they can go to the show notes uh, for this episode, which is episode number 20, 5x5.tv slash roadwork slash 20. And uh, the address is there along with links to as much of the stuff that I could find that we talked about and books and things like that. And I got to get this dragon book. Oh, yeah. That's pretty awesome. Uh, Yes. Yes. Uh, the, so much of so much of this was awesome and I'm about to leave on the cruise so I have all the uh man you're sad. I have all this wonderful stuff. I'm going to carry Bill Brain's book around. Maybe I'll carry it down to the Bahamas 
and uh, and see if it functions as a book down there. 